The decade is the 1980s. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Variant cover. Welcome to My Marvelous Year, the reading club and podcast where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. We just covered basically all of the 1980s. This is a variant edition, special edition, where we're going to recap the decade. We're going to talk about our favorites, comics that we read from Marvel in the year, uh, or in the decade, excuse me, of the 1980s. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by a regular My Marvelous Year individual, Zach Dean. (laughs) He has been with me from the start, through the 60s, through the 70s, and now through the 80s. Here we are approaching the Marvel comics of the 1990s. And uh, the 80s was prop. Was it your favorite decade yet, Zach? I, I would guess it yeah, was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I-, I think I would. I do have debates about whether I actually like. I-, I definitely actually like Marvel Comics of the 1980s more than the 1960s. But mm-hmm. in terms of like then when you factor in like importance and just the sheer everything was created here-ness yeah. of the 60s. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's Then it becomes extremely, extremely difficult. So I, I hear the arguments. Agreed. Yeah. To, yeah. to compare them, but I think otherwise the 80s is definitely like my personal favorite stories that I would go back and reread again. We're going to talk about favorites, uh, selections that you should read. So like if this is your first episode with My Marvel this year, this is actually a good one to hop on on because you can join in and listen to like the best or you can read through some of our picks for the best comics of the 80s, get a quick catch up kind of thing. We'll talk about some of our favorite creators, favorite runs, uh, the comics that didn't work for us at all, you know, so you can skip those. And then, of course, you can use the My Marvelous Year lists, which is the, you know, kind of the hook of the show, right, is we have lists curated by yours truly for every single year of Marvel publication. So as we then move into 1990, you can find all the comics we'll be reading in the show notes for this episode. So you can read along with the club and play along. If you want to play along and, and discuss along via the uh, My Marvelous Year exclusive Slack, you can do so by joining us over at patreon.com slash Year. This is also a way for as little as $1 a month supporting this entirely listener-supported show. You can get access to the full reading list and guides, which, um, again, are updated uh, regularly. I'm updating the 1990 list as we speak. Like Again, there's lists that exist already because I already made this thing way back in 1516, but uh, these get updated every year now because there's a lot more comics in Marvel Unlimited, which is where we uh, source the vast majority and, of these. And right? you have the uh, the hindsight to, to say stuff like Atlantis Attacks. I, I think actually maybe it helps that you've read through all of this once before because like mm. probably you probably have the filter of like thinking about having to read it again and going like uh, no, 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 I'm just not. I don't, I don't like that gut feeling of like, I don't, I don't want to read that again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. Um, I, I don't think I've actually, I haven't removed a ton, I would say, yeah. no, it's, but it's I, I've definitely added more because of stuff that's added, but there are certain things mm-hmm. like the entirety of Atlantis attacks, which is a 1989, uh, Marvel event that was released through annuals where I'm just like, I didn't, I, I could barely get through that the first time. I'm not going to pretend I can a second time. And, you know, I am 
there are certain things I will subject the club to Secret for my Wars own two, right? Like Secret Wars two. Well, that's that's not really me subjecting the club so much as uh, there's there's historical merit. Yeah, it's notorious, to that argument. Right? It's a big event. It's a, it's kind of in that in the eighty five. Um, you know, like that's it's a big deal. It's the first like major Marvel event that has crossovers, right? Um, but I will sure as heck make people read more Howard the Duck than maybe they're comfortable with for my for my own benefit. Uh, I will make you personally read more Stiltman than you're comfortable with for my own benefit. There is some selfishness involved, True. but I don't want to make you guys read Atlantis text. Now that said, I am curious. Like, if there are people who dig that, uh, let me know because I would love to have you write the Compa Carol Atlantis text reading order. Because I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely not going to do it. So uh, so that'd be fine. But yeah, no, there's a lot of good stuff to add. Like in 89 alone, we got to add the damage control mini, which I'm super excited about to, yep. to talk about. We actually haven't done the we actually haven't done that episode yet on um, you and I. But yeah, no, that's where we are. And all so that, like all that She-Hulk I think is new, right? From Burr. Sensational She-Hulk wasn't there the first time around and that's yeah. going to be well worth a read. Kinda, that's um, wild that that was not there. Oh, Some I mean, stuff I, Marvel Unlimited, they, they just, it, everybody takes it personally, I feel like, with stuff that's missing. Like, like there's a bunch, now that the one that's missing is, like, X-Factor, you know, for your your favorite. Mm-hmm. And uh, people are like, oh, issues 41 through 66, what is this travesty? And it's like, it, it's not personal, everybody. Like, they're, they're going based on digital collections. The Marvel Unlimited team has done an amazing job over the last, probably, basically since we've been doing this. Two yeah, years, yeah. like yeah, with yeah. their update well, cadence for a stretch from like thirteen to from like 2013 to 2016, they took their time. <laughs> the process was not in place. It's been like, have you noticed though the last like three, four months? I I don't think I've seen anything old. I think like since they transitioned to doing the three months away thing, I feel like they've been really. They have not been. I, I look every week to see what's new, and it's always just like here's the fourteen issues that came out three months ago. That's I, interesting. I the, Maybe they're uh, like. Maybe the switch to giving the new comics within three months has just too much focus on that or something. Like there's a a, yeah, a workload change there. Um, that it's maybe a bummer because they... it's a project with an end, right? Like there is a, a a time where they can say, "There, we did it." Like Marvel Unlimited is now complete and fleshed out, and you know, filling with the in the back catalog. Like, you mean all the night nurses, right? Like the, the stuff like that. But like the main Marvel. Well, stuff, this like, this there's... catalog is not complete until Night Nurse is is full. Sure. Until every Night Nurse issue is in there, this catalog will not be complete. I mean, I, I do think that's part of the challenge, too, that people don't realize is, like, Marvel Unlimited is is contingent to a degree on these comics being digitized, which mm-hmm. generally is a result of them being in collected editions, you know? So, like, if there are sections of a run that have never been collected or available in other means, and they're lesser known, they're not digitized, they're not available, my mother's here, what are they going to do? Use, like, the, the home scans from, like, a pirate site? <laughs> Like, right, you know? yeah. Uh, some people in the the chat are telling me that they are uploading old stuff on Thursdays when they do it. So okay, um, okay. So maybe maybe I'm just missing it and I, I just haven't seen it. But uh, it looked it. I I always kept an eye on that because I was always curious to see what they added and I haven't seen it in a while. Well, they're probably Any- waiting for us. It, usually, what they do is they yes, wait to see where we're at in the My Marvel this year reading club, and then they'll fill in issues. Either usually it's like one step behind us. To be, so then by the time people listen to the episode, we'll say something like, oh, there's some Ghost Rider missing. And then, like, they just added it, you know, as kind of like a spite ad to make us look like fools. There's a lot of hostility towards it, uh, it's also, between these groups. I, someone on Twitter I saw, like, you know, wrote at Marvel Unlimited, at the Marvel Unlimited account, like, hey, where are these issues? And it was like some account. It was not a big account. You know, it uh-huh. was not like some creator or someone or this big, like, you know 
comic book website head or whatever. It was, you know, someone with like 80 followers. And Marvel Unlimited responded, be like, oh, thanks for the suggestion. That will, we'll get right to it. And it was like, oh, wait, is it that easy? <laughs> Do I just have to say like, hey, Marvel, put Nascenti's Daredevil on and they'll be like, okay. And then two weeks later, it shows up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I'm like, they know. They know the comics to be added to, you yeah. know, like it's not, yeah, yeah. unless you were, Unless there's something truly secret. Um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. All the stuff that we yep. cover in this club, again, like 98 to 99% is available via mm-hmm. MU. That's where we read it. That's why we read it. And it's a very good service for that. Um, so that's what we'll be talking about here in 1980s. Now, when this episode comes out, I don't believe we'll actually have finished uh, 1989. No, no, no. There's a there's a few things I, I regret that I didn't... I, I didn't even think of that. And I regret not making time for a few things that, like... May, might be in my my running yeah right so specifically the um the triumph and torment the doctor doom doctor mm-hmm. strange miniseries like i have yeah, a feeling i'm gonna like eye. yeah I'm, i have a feeling i'm gonna like that a lot and sensational she hulk I, I read some of and actually i don't know if that would have made my top uh list but like it's pretty it's close so interesting interesting uh, sure so yeah. but yeah keep that in mind as we go through our picks that are, the 1989 episodes will be coming out uh in january 2021 all the mm. way through February 2021, and then we will officially begin releasing and recording 90s episodes. I think basically like starting in March and then through the end of 2020-21. So that's kind of our plan for next year is going to be a whole lot of 90s comics once we finish up the decade, but we're still going to do our IED's decade recap right now. So uh, yeah, yep. let's let's do it. Um, what do you want to start with, I think, uh, as far do you want to talk favorites? Do you want to talk... Let's just oscillate. do our, our top five, and then we'll do all the little individual ones, and uh, we'll alternate with some questions. We have a couple of questions, not too many, but okay. we can kind of okay, do it cool. like we did our best of 2020. Um, do you want us to count down your top five? Sure, sure, sure. So I'll start with, so I actually published on Comic Book Herald uh, mm-hmm. just this week, My I did my favorite 55, I think, stories um, that we read in My Marvelous Year, and my top five is actually really boring in terms of, I split it up by calendar year, so by my Marvelous Year selection. So basically, mm-hmm. I would just be saying X-Men and Daredevil over again. So what I'll do is I'll try to say, let's see, let me count um, five individual unique series. Um, so we'll start, I think, I'll, I'll just start here with my number 10, which was, no, we didn't cover that yet. So we'll do number nine, which is Secret Wars, 1984 event, uh, Secret Wars. I obviously love this more than most, I think. Like, a lot of people like Secret Wars, not everyone loves it to the degree that I do. That's fair, I guess. I get that. Um, you know, it's one of those things where it's like you wish the world had the taste and and the refinement to be a better place. You know, <laughs> you wish that for the world, but it's not always the case. No. Uh, but yeah, Secret Wars, <laughs> the, the original Marvel event, 12-issue maxi series, written by Jim Shooter, a lot of art by Mike Zeck. Uh, I love this event. I will never stop loving it. That is my first pick for an awesome, awesome story. It is truly, it remains like, hey, you want to just see everyone in Marvel doing a little bit of what they do um, and having a fun time and Doctor Doom being awesome? Read this. Like, I think it stands up in that regard, even if it's not. It doesn't, it reflects a youthful immaturity um, of the medium that is honestly a pretty accurate reflection of where the medium was still at in a lot of ways in 84. Uh, for a lot of superhero comics. So that's that's my pick. I love Secret Wars. All right, what do you got? Number five, J.M.D. Mateus's Craven's Last Hunt. Uh, wow, it, just, it, just punching just the artist in the mouth there. Oh, and uh, Mike Zek. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, I 
it didn't like impact me like immediately as, as strongly as some other comics. But like the more I sat with it, the more I went back to it and like flipped through it and thought about it, the more like it has grown in my mind. And I just think it's a, uh, a really like mature, you know, it's a very dark comic without seeming like it's trying to be edgy. I think it's got a lot on its mind. And uh, yeah, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed our conversation with Matt Draper around it. So yeah, Matt did, Matt did an excellent last. video on that as well. If you like uh, YouTube. Uh, content check out Matt Draper's channel for some Cravens Last Hunt. That's on my list as well as my number six. It is uh, an excellent, excellent story, and it is just for me like unquestionably the best Spider-Man story of the decade. And like for my money, for the from 1970 until I don't even know when, it's the best Spider-Man story. Um, it, fe- it it barely feels like a Spider-Man story though. That's like what's so interesting about it is like yeah. It it doesn't feel like the the normal vibe for Spider Man, which like no, it's not. It's, it's kind not of, kind of damning to Spider Man. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, well, it it does that. I mean, obviously we talked about it in detail, but it does that extremely hard thing of doing a quote unquote dark Spider Man story, um, right, yeah. but but succeeding, which is like nearly impossible. Uh, but it pulls it off, and it's actually I think actually has made it harder for anyone else to do because any attempt to do like. The Dark Spider-Man now is going to be... It's in the shadow of Craven's Last Hunt. There's kind of no escaping it. Yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah. My fourth pick is going to be the New Mutants, the Demon Bear Saga. This is Ooh, issues 18 pick. to 21 of New Mutants. This is written by Chris Claremont with art by Bill Sienkiewicz. And uh, I reread this one actually for... Uh, actually, a Matt Draper curated... Um, uh, what was it called? It was something for Halloween. Um, one horrifying moment. It was a bunch of YouTube creators did videos on like scary things. And because I don't watch scary movies, Zach, you know this about me. Um, I don't I like being spooked. I get easily spooked. Um, I picked a comic book story that is in theory kind of horror based. <laughs> and I talked about that. But in doing so, I got to reread it and I got to kind of re-enjoy it for the second time in a year, which is not something uh, Unusual I do for you, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't do that with hardly anything. So the fact that I was able to do that with the Demon Bear Saga really stood out to me. I found new things to enjoy and to talk about in it. And uh, if you... I, I was an X-Men fan five years ago or so who definitely had no knowledge of the New Mutants, had never read an issue, hardly knew who they were, and if you're kind of in a similar boat, I highly recommend jumping into the Claremont Sinkavich era and getting a feel for like, oh, this is there was there was an X Men world that was you know kind of doing what the premise of X Men you thought it might be, which is like actual school and teens and all that, you know, learning learning their mutant powers and all this. Like New Mutants is is really great um, and kind of continues to be like it's not underrated amongst X Men fans. It gets talked about plenty if you're in the know, um, but I think just on a mainstream level. You know, it's, it's going to kind of have a rep now as like, oh, yeah, that weird bad movie that came out during a pandemic, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. which is unfortunate because the new mutants are actually awesome. Agreed. Um, my number four, and I don't think that I think one that's actually relatively low on your list, John Byrne's Fantastic Four. And I, I'm not breaking it up the same as you, uh, just to make that clear. You're I think you're getting a little more granular. I'm kind of doing runs more or less, I think. It depends. The highest depends I had it was 30th out of 55, which is actually solid. And that was on the first four or five Fantastic Four issues uh, that Byrne wrote and drew. Yeah. Which is still pretty good, actually. It's my favorite Fantastic Four run. You know, like even the, the Lee Byrne or um, the Lee, um, oh my God, Kirby stuff, which is I like a lot. Like that's, that's probably my favorite Kirby work, um, that and Thor. I, I just like Byrne strikes a really good balance between the like the nostalgic um 
kind of the nostalgia of the like he captures the nostalgia of the Lee and Kirby days while still feeling like grounded in the 80s. Like it feels like a, a modern comic. And I think his storytelling is really sharp. His writing is good. I like his art. Like the the kind of um, wow. The the what's the word I'm looking for? The like the sense of like wonder and exploration that is great with the Fantastic Four. Like the the yeah. adventure stories is really there, and uh, that's what I really love about that run. So yeah, how's John the Fantastic how Four. are how are membership dues this year at the Burn Boy Fan Club? I know you've been oh, running that. Boy. Are are they up this year? Yeah, uh, you guys no, having I a know, tough twenty twenty. Uh, can can we actually uh, t- divert for a second? I told you about this like privately, but John Byrne has written. Um, apparently, he pitched to Marvel a series of X Men comics that he wanted to write. That was like after the what Dark Phoenix saga. Is is that where he stopped? Right? Did he do Days of Future Past? Uh, Days remember. of Future Past, did, which yeah. is uh, actually a good transition because it's the next one on my list. Okay. Well, it, he did he did those comics and he. Uh, proposed to Marvel to do like, hey, what if I just retell the X-Men from that point, like a, an alternative timeline, like my own little pocket universe story there. Yeah. And Marvel said, no thanks. Um, so he's been publishing which, them which on his... Which happens, fo- I will say. I don't know. He's been publishing them on his forum <laughs> as like fan fiction and I've been reading a few. They're quite good and they feel very like Honestly, if you colored, they're they're not inked or colored. But if you inked and colored them and dropped them into Marvel Unlimited, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be like, "Oh, this is weird. This is a big shift in tone." It's like a Modok story in the Savage Land immediately after that. Like it feels so like he picked it up right where where Claremont left off. It's less wordy than Claremont. You might notice that, but it's really interesting. So if anyone is curious about this, I'd go ch- recommend checking out. It's called like, um, what what is it? The the, the I, I don't remember. I, if you look up John Byrne X-Men fan fiction, you'll find it. He's done like 20 full... I can't believe you don't written... remember as John Byrne's number one fanboy. Yeah. Your, your I, I, continued I, I enthusiasm think... for 2020 John Byrne is definitely one of the funniest things to me. Because I've never he, read anything he is, else. He is post... so reviled by like a modern article set of, of comics. <laughs> I know <laughs> he is. I know. Have good I, I mean, I wonder if For good reasons. Like... I mean, a lot of that's just like on a personal level. John sure. Byrne is increasingly I mean, he's, he's, revulsive. Obviously, yeah. he was extremely talented. Um, his, yeah, his yeah, work yeah. as you know contributing to X Men with Chris Claremont it remains. That's it's two of the entries are in my top five of this list, right? So like those yeah. comics continue to be. I mean, Dark Phoenix Saga and Days of Future Past, like those are are huge works. So it's not surprising to me he would that a John Byrne drawn X Men story would feel like it would slot in. Of course, it would. It would be a continuation yeah. of his style. And obviously he was he was a storytelling contributor too. It's not like he was just you know the pencil monkey and everything came from Claremont's mm-hmm. brain. So I'm I'm not shocked by that. That said, I have zero interest in going and reading his vision for uh, <laughs> what it would have been. I, I truly I as someone who is yeah no it's understandable so wholly into X Men I have absolutely zero percent interest in going and reading John Burns petty bitter fan fiction about what it should have been under his watch <laughs> yeah it well at least what i've read you know doesn't feel like it has any like i, I haven't read any subtext of just like you know the pointed barbs towards where it went but um i will say it's the only thing i've read of his post like 1990 right so i don't know anything about his career from 1990 to 2020 and where it has gone and you know etc so this is all my enthusiasm what career is... but um yeah right all my enthusiasm is purely from the 80s for him all right, you're number three, which you already you gave away, but we'll talk about it. Uh, yeah, so obviously X Men is pretty good. Um, <laughs> oh no, this is your yeah. number four. 
No, this would be three for me. Yeah, no, it's basically X-Men. I had, I had Uncanny X-Men, I had Days of Future Past as my number five, and I have Dark Phoenix Saga as my number three. Um, mm. The X-Men comics are pretty good. And uh, and I did pick from the Chris Claremont and John Byrne era, definitely. I yep. mean, I, I think it's, it's definitely cooler. It's definitely like, it's hipper to be like, oh, my favorite X-Men uh, 80s work is, you know, the Paul Smith stuff or the Outback era with Mark Silvestri, right? Like, that's definitely a good, like, um, that's Hip that's answer. a better hipster answer for sure. Yeah. You know, um, it's like, I'm trying to think, you know, it's it, whatever, you know, the, you know, the analogs. But, um, yeah. but for me, like, those still are, those are still just unquestionably the best. Like, it was the tightest X-Men was. It yeah. was... I, the the hardest part for me was, like, do I actually like Dirk Phoenix Saga more than I like Days of Future Past? Um, that part for me is actually a little challenging because I don't know... I, I ranked it higher. And yeah. I, I think, too, like, when you sort of lump it in with, like, actually the whole build to that point, too, it's a little easier for me to say, like, the whole Phoenix Saga, not just specifically those, like, eight or nine issues of Dark Phoenix are better. Um, but if I, it, the hard part is, like, if I'm like, well, which one do I want to read? It's Days of Future Past, but that's two issues. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's a length yeah, there I was gonna, as well. It, if Days of Future Past was a more robust, like, saga, I could definitely see that overtaking. That That's true. It's a really nice, tight two issues. But, you know, if it had been, like, fleshed out across eight, maybe, and, you know, and still had, like, the creativity and, like, chops to back that up. Yeah, sure. I could I could see that. Um yeah. and, my, and let, no. let me oh, just say sorry. too, like so Marvel's doing a um they're doing an X Men Legends series right now and they're gonna have creators kinda go and like revisit like X Men history stuff. So like mm-hmm. the first issue is gonna be with writer uh, Fabian Nicieza, who is co creator of Deadpool, has done a ton of X Men stuff, um, especially in the nineties, did a cable and Deadpool in the two thousands. He and like it's gonna be like a legend series talking about like what his intentions kind of were for this character Adam X the Extreme, which maybe we'll talk about some in our '90s coverage. Um, but I that idea I actually kind of like, like creators being like, hey, like there were some unanswered questions or just like something you want to revisit, which Claremont endlessly has, you know, that sort of thing mm-hmm. on his end too, because yeah. he he has a similar kind of attitude as Burn, honestly, where he's like basically like I never should have stopped writing X Men, put me back on it. Um, which I disagree with. I like Marvel potentially carving out a lane there, I suppose, but I'm really glad they're not just embracing that sort of just, like, absolutely cynical nostalgia of, like, hey, John Byrne, back on X-Men, kids. Like, that would yeah, that would sure. drive me nuts. That would drive me nuts because it's like, yeah, those kids <laughs> are 50 now, <laughs> you know? Yes, like, right. the, who are you talking to? Um, so, anyway, yeah. I'm glad that's where we are. All right, what's your number three? My number three is JMD Mateus's Captain America. So that's my my second GMD Mateus on this list. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love this run. Um, it, it's it's tough to call say I like it a little more than Grunewald's. I like I, Grunewald's is very good. Um, but I think well, we also Mateus haven't finished it, it in our coverage, right? That's true. Even that's true. even this arc, I would say. Yeah. Um, but uh, he just has like he strikes that balance between like very small. Small-scale storytelling, which I really like. Um, really empathetic characters that, like, click for me. Like, some of the first, like, truly, like, empathetic characters written in Marvel, I feel. Like, the the way that, like, at least in a way that feels like relatable human connection. Um, you know, like, X-Men has some, a lot of that, right? I think X-Men characters are pretty well written, but, like, often their concerns are so lofty, it's hard for me to actually feel anything about them right they're a little disconnected for me but captain america's that whole thing is such about normal people and normal 
normal failure and normal struggles and um i really like that about him and i really like that entire run um okay. ultimate- I, I have to tell you that a vast majority of what you just said you are gonna have to talk to hr after this about your anti-mutant sentiment um but at the same time i do hear what you're saying about yeah. those comics being pretty good because they are uh I, yeah. number three is like that's that's definitely like way higher than i would put it um but yeah. i i appreciate that you is could because i your- i'm list <laughs> i don't know if i even i did i listed the the house of skull death of skull, skull that's kind of stuff. 29 yeah okay yeah those are those are quite good um but I, I actually like i'm more interested in people who have those sorts of runs like somebody who would be like yeah uh mary joe duffy power man and iron fist is my second favorite 80s run or something like those types of opinions i'm more interested in because it's less consensus based um so yeah I, yeah i'm into it I, I like that my number two is uh so this one is totally uh in what do you call it um Oh man! In response to, uh, in in, what do I? I owe this to the Dean's with? list. Yeah, oh, no, oh, I, yeah. I'm struggling. I owe well, this I know to the Dean's is. list uh, and uh, Barry Windsor Smith. It's Marvel list. fanfare number fifteen. Uh, a single issue. It is excellent. It is excellent, and I'm so glad that we read this as part of the club. It was my highlight of the 80s read because I hadn't read it before and it's like one of my favorite comics. It's a perfect Ben Grimm, Johnny Storm prank war story. If you like Fantastic Four or uh, think you might like Fantastic Four, it's in it's a perfect Marvel read. Um, it captures the 60s spirit of Ben and Johnny excellently and it's Barry Windsor Smith, so it looks, it looks awesome. This comic's great. Marvel fan for number did, 15. Did you see Matt Draper tweeting this morning? He said it also it's, it's the most like perfect Marvel comic single issue. No, I don't he, think I did, but we are over our quota of Matt Draper references. We're gonna have to cut those off and start bleeping his I'm, name from here. I'm on. just, sa- <laughs> I'm just saying. I think it's starting to spread, and uh, and someday people will look back and, and realize that it was me who started this. So everyone, everyone's gonna be on the uh, yes. You you started train. this uh, 1984 issues fandom. <laughs> I think the two people most responsible for uh, the the you know the fame of Marvel Fanfare 15 are one, Zach Dean, two, Barry Windsor Smith. I would say one, just Barry Co- Windsor Co-creator Dean. Co-creator Zach Dean, yeah. Barry Windsor Dean, I think, is uh, is the new creative credit. <laughs> All right, what's, uh, uh, what's your number, number two? Number two is, it's uh, Claremont's Dark Phoenix Saga and Days of Future Past. Yep. So, same, same as you, same reasons. It's just excellent, tight X-Men storytelling, Claremont at its best. Uh, I was thinking about today, like, what else comes close? for like Claremont's run, which is just enormous. And um Inferno's the only thing that comes close to like really these heights for me. Like there's a lot of mm. other X-Men I like, but Inferno Inferno came close, but I think it just didn't quite make it there, but these these two stories back to back. Yeah, we've talked about this feel, yeah. obviously a lot. Like obviously we talked about a lot of X-Men throughout the decade cuz it's a big deal here. Um it is interesting to me like the the Claremont burn stuff at the start of the 80s is the most clearly defined like story arc chunks that you can highlight as these are awesome story arcs right dark phoenix saga days of future past you can say Mm -hmm. the names you can give collections of those to people say read this from that point forward it becomes so much more sprawling and soap operatic that it becomes so difficult to do that like literally from 83 through inferno which is 89 you know like what do you you can be like hey here's the brood story arc or, you know, it's all just parts of a whole at that point, which I enjoy and a lot of people love about mm-hmm. it. But it definitely it's there's a reason those two jump out. And it's because, like, they are definitive moments in time that are tight and to the point in a way that the rest of the run really isn't. Um, even Mutant Massacre is like 
it, it, it's a fairly sprawling, you know, tie-in thing. Um, so yeah, it's there's a reason those two stand out, even apart from story quality. I would say uh, it's because yeah, that's like, a really the comics are just presented point, yeah. so deliberately. It's probably like I think a decent comparison would be like the MCU with like the first Avengers movie versus Endgame. You know, like mm. Endgame is much more of the like the culmination of a lot of things. I think that like in Inferno you could kind of pair right. I think Inferno works really well, but it also I don't think Inferno you could sell quite as much as like a standalone story because you you kind of need that at least the last like three or four years of Marvel and X Men and X Factor and you know uh, New Mutants etc to like right. to feel all of that if not like the last ten years of X Men right um, for all that to, to land and he does a good job like he does an excellent job I think of pulling all those strings together um, but it is it is a lot more dependent on continuity. All right, what is your number one? So we're definitely going to have the same number one. I guess the only thing is, does the technicality change what Mm. our number one is? So my number one was Daredevil, 1982, issues 178 to 189. This is Frank Miller with Klaus Janssen on Daredevil. um, These issues get you the Bullseye Electra saga. They get you uh, that good, good 180s chunk of the Stiltman issue of Foggy Nelson Guts. Of yep, just God. like just unimpeachable, best comics of the decade for me. I would say the best run of comics we've read so far. There's other stuff I I love and I love the legacy of possibly more. You know, even like like Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, Amazing Spider-Man. I have ranked higher on my all-time favorite, best comics of all time list on Comic Herald. Right. Um, that's a lot of that is based on historical weight and influence. Uh, which not that Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen Daredevil doesn't have that. It does in many, many ways. Um, just purely in terms of like, you can read one collection on a desert island. What do you want? Oh, I don't know. That does get tough, actually. But Daredevil is so good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's really good. Um, it's my number one. Uh, with a bullet, do you have any objection? Like, would you go Born Again over this? Would you go Love and War, maybe? I, um, so my, my order would be Love and War. Yeah is the the top thing for me i think that's my favorite comic like of the the, the entire year uh or the decade that we read and then like the full daredevil run and you know that I, I didn't divide it up into the chunks like you did you know i did born again and the earlier stuff i kind of just do as one big chunk even though i think i like the earlier stuff slightly better um before born again and then electro assassin um, i just like I like and i i mentioned this in the in the list i'm like born again is on a technical level on a comics craft level possibly superior to everything we've read Mm -hmm. um miller and mazzucchelli are doing amazing amazing work my problem as just as a fan of comics is the early miller jansen daredevil or earlier daredevil stuff it has that lightheartedness and sense of humor to it that born again just kind of can't afford it's just not a story uh that that includes that it's very serious and it's very mature and that's the intent and there's a place for those stories absolutely but i really prefer when we can have an issue of foggy nelson going by guts and lucking out stumbling through the criminal underworld like those types of moments to me make that era of daredevil superior uh for what i'd want to read i i just like having that in in the marvel comics universe uh, a little bit more so i think it's like if i was going to hand a standalone graphic novel to somebody you know, from this era, I think uh, you almost can't do better than Born Again, I suppose. If you yeah, if you just want yeah. to convince someone, like, Marvel Comics can be really good and really smart, and uh, they're not just <laughs> right. for babies, right? If it's that kind of attitude, you give them Born Again, and maybe it changes their mind, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
hard to disagree with. Yep, I mean, I, I feel like it's, it's almost boring how much I, I ring the, the Frank Miller bell, but I just think he was, like, performing it at such a high level at this time. And I mean, like, also, we're not even talking about everything else he did this decade, right? Like, I mean, he did, at the same decade, he was working on Batman Year One, he was doing Dark Knight Returns, right? No, Dark Knight Returns. Um, <laughs> Dark, Dark Knight Rises was the yeah. Nolan movie. Dark yeah, Knight Strikes Again is Miller returning to Dark Knight Which in the 2000s. Yeah. Uh, Dark Knight the Golden Child is him returning to Dark Knight uh, this past year. <laughs> it's a whole <laughs> yeah, saga right. now. I mean, he, he yes. did Ronin, which I think is also very good. Um, I don't know if Sin City started in the 80s or if that was... Sin City doesn't in, start uh, till later, but uh, yeah, I mean, okay. Frank, <laughs> Frank Miller became a giant in, uh, in comics yeah. this decade, and there's just good, good reason for it. Um, cool, cool. So, all right, what other categories do we want to well, let's, let's approach quick, here? Those are the phase. Got a quick user question or user listener question. User. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at this Listen. point, if you've been reading with us all this time through three decades, we've kind of made you a user, right? Like you're, you're a little hooked on on Marvel Comics with us. Um. Is so. This is from Aaron. In your opinion, which characters show the most character growth through the '80s? Are there any that changed for the worst? Changed for the worse. I, I mean, uh, I, I well, got an easy answer here for show okay. the most growth, like positive yeah. growth. I mean, D- Daredevil is up there, but I think that's the boring answer. We just, you know, this is real. This is kind of like when the real Daredevil starts. Um, but Iron Man, Iron Man went from kind of a nothing too interesting of a character, despite having an ongoing series throughout all of the '60s and '70s. Um, and I think '80s is like really where he just stride with Demon in a Bottle, and then well, Demon um, in a Bottle is '70s technically. Oh, is it? Oh, oh, I always think of that as like an early That's 80s. That's 79. Okay. Maybe it rolls right, into well, 80 a little, but we got it on the 79 list. Okay, all right. Well, I, I still think like Iron Man became a character I'm interested in in the 80s. Um, you know, it, and Captain America as well. I think the two Captain America runs really solidify him. Um, but uh, I'll say I'll say Iron Man here. I would say the character that uh, has the worst growth or like, the, like to their detriment the most, maybe suffers the most, is Cyclops. Um, I think the character is handled relatively well, but there becomes that big post dark or um, yeah, Dark Phoenix saga uh, return of Jean Grey moment where it basically editorially sort of pushes Claremont, and we'll talk about this in the the eighty nine Inferno coverage. Um, but it basically pushes Claremont into a direction of like, oh, Scott's gonna leave his family and his baby now and become mm-hmm. the worst person and, like, the least rootable hero. And they kind of try to salvage it, and we talk about whether or not they achieve that in Inferno. But yeah. uh, Cyclops really suffers in this decade in a way that the character would not recover from, I think, mentally for a lot of readers. Even today, this gets brought up all the time as a huge knock against him, as it should. Like, they're pretty reprehensible actions. Uh, but I, it's not... Again, it's, like, well-done character growth, I think, in the context of the story. But I would say... Um, that that character probably suffers the most in terms of opinion. Uh, character growth that I like the most. Um, that's an interesting question. Honestly, it's kind of tricky. Um, I don't know. I think like teams and and characters have good moments in terms of like a character getting from point A to point B. I'm not Wolverine. Oh, it's Wolverine for sure. Wolverine goes from the like totally non nuanced. You know, I'm going to cut you yeah. at, at, a, at a moment's notice, uh, just like, you know, early stages of that character. And this decade, he gets everything added on. He gets the the whole 
kind of Eastern culture, um, you know, ties to ninjas and, and all of his love interests and just the fact that he has a softer center, his romantic inklings towards Gene, all that gets developed in the 80s to the point that then when we get to his solo series in 88, like this is a character who can have solo adventures and and have his own world, essentially. Um, and it's, it's you know, it's got a story to tell. So I think Wolverine actually probably has the best 80s in terms of growth. <laughs> yeah. he be, and he becomes kind of like a leader of that, of the X-Men, which is not somewhere he could have been um at the start of the decade, right? It just wouldn't fit the character. Although occasionally, like, they still... Well, I don't even remember what it was. It was, like, X-Men... There was an X-Men issue with the Fantastic Four came to visit. It was, like, Kitty Pride, When Kitty Pride and Doctor Doom were in Latveria. Uh, is, is that the X-Men slash Fantastic Four miniseries? And yep. Wolverine reverts to that kind of, like, claws first, questions later thing. And uh, sometimes, it's you gotta, sometimes you gotta cut a Doctor, right? Like, sometimes you gotta cut a Doctor. But <laughs> generally, he's more nuanced. Uh, okay, good question. Let's do let's it. do bottom bottom three. Bottom three. Okay, uh, number one for me. Wait, wait, three, well, two, let me... one. Three, two, one. What do you want to count it down and then say them at the same time? No, no, but like we'll finish each worst. other's. Start with your third worst. Salads. Yeah. No comics. Um. Oh, start with my third worst. Okay. Well, let me. I'm gonna pull up my list of my favorite all right, comics I, of all I, time I, then, because I have actually ranked a lot of these that we talked about. I, I can start. Um, my third worst, third least favorite. Uh-huh. I was gonna put Dazzler the movie, yeah, and then I was reminded of Cloak and Dagger today in the Slack. It's gotta be Cloak <laughs> you hated and that, yeah. I really hated that comic. That was like that was real. I, I mean, Dazzler the movie is a bad comic as well, mm-hmm. uh, obviously. Um, yeah, Cloak and Dagger is just like it, it is like the summation of the worst impulses of this like knee jerk reactionary, you know, like criminals are subhuman thing yeah. mixed with a bunch of like racially troublesome uh character choices and uh just just did not dig it peter david right that's that's him no that was uh that was the death of gene wolf which had yes right which problems. i also didn't dig yeah, um right. cloak and dagger the mini that we read was written by mo mantlo who i think uh actually deserves a lot more credit than he gets so you know, apologies for slandering your work. Oh yeah, a man um, low blow, right? <laughs> it was a man low blow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yep. I don't know. I'm gonna guess Rick Leonardi would be my guess. Uh, okay, if we're playing, well, who wants to be a millionaire? So my number three yep. pick is actually gonna be something we didn't read for the club uh, because Ooh. it's not there. It's a graphic novel, and it's called The Aladdin Effect. It's written by David Michelinie with art by Greg Larock. Um, I read this when I was reading all of the Marvel original graphic novels, and I hated <laughs> this book Wait, what is it can you say uh, it again? i I'm thought sorry. i might like it it's called the aladdin effect um ah. it's got a cover with uh tigra storm and she hulk zach this whoa, this whoa, cover whoa, was whoa, made whoa. for you no yeah. joke like this cover should be should be uh streamlined into your veins and now that i'm looking at it again i feel like you should read this because you'll you'll somehow you'll probably dig it i despised this my book. new number one comic of the year yeah uh i just i really disliked uh what was happening there so um it's been a while since i've read it <laughs> but i have it ranked number 619 on my comics list which is let's see my 10th least favorite of all time i think um so yeah that's a bad one all right what's your number two I think, I think we're going to get into shared. Uh, well, I guess you you so Dazzler the movie's not in your top three. Then is what you're saying? Yeah, I think it got bumped out to four. It got bumped to four. Oh, that's so. disturbing. All right, what's number two then? Yeah. This is this is the the one that's going to ruffle some feathers. I think it's, it's uh, and this is an individual story. It's Frog Don't make Thor. me hang up on you. Frog what? Thor. What? Frog, Thor. Frog yeah. Thor is your second least favorite story of the decade. Uh, so so here here's where I'm coming from on this one. 
far. It is what? it is the highest expectations that have been the dashed the most. It is like the fr- from the the highest heights of my expectations to the actual. It is it, it kind of epitomizes. All right, see it. It epitomizes. <laughs> all right, we're gonna pause while Dave puts a puts a hat on. <laughs> Oops, steam's coming out of his ears like a cartoon character. Unbelievable. Okay, so, Unbelievable. So okay, no, no. Frog Thor is not actually a worse comic than Dazzler or Cloak and Dagger. It's not. But it is it is it epitomizes it epitomizes what like frustrates me uh, often with some of the, like the discourse around these comics and also with I, I don't know, I guess it's part of the with Walt Simonson specifically. Let's let's be Right, real. which is like that a uh that a concept is enough. Cuz I think it's a very boring concept. I think nothing gets done with this. I think anyone who tells you they love this, like ask them like, "Oh, okay, so what happens in that?" He goes and helps a bunch of frogs and it's like, "Okay, but what what happens? Like, are there characters? Is there? Do you, is there do you actually want me to answer could, this question? Because I can. Answer can you it. can you lay out the plot of like the the frogs and like what their problem is and is it interesting? Because I think it's a fun idea that doesn't have anything particularly like going on in it. Um, and that, that, yeah, that, I mean, like, it, Loki turns him into a frog to distract yeah. uh, the realm from Thor's fun, absence. Fun idea. Fun idea. Right, and then Thor has to, as a frog, joins up with frogs who are in a sewer war with the rats. There's also like a Pied Piper individual there who can control various sewer creatures such as alligators. And he has to help, even as a frog, the story is, Thor is still a hero, right? Even as a frog, he's still hero by nature. So, of course, he gets his hammer back, he becomes Throg, and he helps these frogs reclaim a safe existence. There's still like a really good, fun fairy tale esque story to be told. Obviously, I disagree more than I even expect. I thought you were going to say something else. This is, uh, I mean, this is it's one of my favorite comics of the of the day. I know, it, I, I know. Yeah, this is a, in your, this like, is an insane pick. Where is this? Let's I see. I've got Frog Thor at 27. I've got it ahead of your number. You have two. it ahead of my my top three of my top five. Love and yeah. War, Captain America, and Fantastic yeah. Four. So, and I and, and I truly, I would rather read those three issues. I I definitely understand your disappointment in terms of like yeah. everyone was saying that Walt Simonson Thor is a peak thing, and it, it for me, I didn't think it was good at all. Right, so that's that's yeah. what you're saying. Like if everybody's if we're sitting here saying, hey, Daredevil's the best, you should check it out, and somebody goes and reads Daredevil, and they're like, yeah, this sucks. Um, that's a, like that having those expectations and then not hitting those highs. I get yeah. that. Um, that said, I don't get why you wouldn't hit those highs, right? If you actually absorb that story, but you know that's that's the nature of opinion, I suppose. That's <laughs> that's certainly true. Yeah, it's it 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 is it is just like that. I had to pick one thing that kind of like summed all that up for me because like that that was such like we we read so much of that and that just felt like continually my uh, my experience with with so much of that run and Frog Thor was I, I, like to be clear there are moments of that run that are really high highs for me like there are parts of thor's simonson's thor that i really like and i just think work really well um but if you go back and listen to like before we got into it like how many times on the show was i just like simonson's thor baby can't wait to get to it and then for it just to to rot on the the tree like that for me i do wonder i i do wonder if you just set your expectations too high um had you had true yeah, more yeah, that's just true. like less hype built into it. Maybe you would have had a less of a of a disdain for that run. I, I think is possible. Um, I mean, which yeah, I, which I do with stuff sometimes too. Because I'm like frustrated so about it. Sure, I'm frustrated with it, but like I ultimately would give the whole thing a B plus. You know, which is not a bad rating, right? Like, 
But for Thor specifically, I mean, you're ranking your second least favorite. That's a pretty low grade. Yeah, I don't know. Rankings are mean. You're making a statement. You're making a yeah, statement. You're making a little a, exactly. clickbaity you. Um, all right. <laughs> exactly so my is. my number, what am I on? Two? Two. Least okay. favorite story. Uh, well, it was going to be... It was going to be what is actually my second least favorite, but now it's Alpha Flight. Um, yeah, now it's definitely Alpha Flight <laughs> by John Bird. I, you know what? Truly, though, uh, I wasn't going to pick it, but I never want to read Alpha Flight. We talked about this. I know. And, like, I've tried. I've really yeah. tried. It's kind of a similar thing with you where, like, I I can really read this. I And the thing, too, is, like, they're X-Men adjacent. Like, I'm super invested in yeah. everything to do with the X-Men. Like, I would read a lot of bad and and have read a lot of like you know not even the the John yeah. Byrne stuff Alpha Flight stuff to get to like the origins of Wild Child for example which is relevant to contemporary X Men like I'm interested in the history of these yeah. characters and their in their connections and I don't like reading that run at all it just never works for me and I think a lot of it is John Byrne as a solo storyteller when he gets a, removed from. Um, I guess, like, I don't know, like, creating... Or when he gets into a situation where he's kind of creating his own thing... And, he, uh, and he's not I, reflecting I really on the struggle past. with it. Yeah. Yeah, when he's not reflecting the nostalgia of Lee Kirby days, mm-hmm. um, then I, I tend to find it's, like, just not that interesting to me. Oh, that, uh, that's Alpha interesting, because that now, now I'm curious what you're going to think about the, uh, the sensational She-Hulk when we talk about it. Well, that's a little different, because it's it gets integrated yeah. through Fantastic Four... Um, you know, in a way. Uh, but anyway, so that uh, Alpha Flight is it actually my second least favorite? No, but do I have to pick it now because uh, you slandered Simonson? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, un- understandable. Um, all right, my number one least favorite comic, and this one is genuine. It's X Factor. It's all the X Factor we read. I just like ooh. I, and so, I, you don't even have Secret Wars on your list. He, I talked about this today in the uh, the My Marvelous Year Slack, where like what is happening? I would read Secret Wars two over those X Factor issues. Like I think they are and much Frog Thor and Cloak and Dagger. Hmm, I don't know. That's don't what you just put, told us. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that list. But. <laughs> don't put the words I said into my mouth. Um, it's just it. It is the perfect like example of maybe interesting ideas executed in a way that make like i would mu- I, I think secret wars 2 dazzler the movie are decently executed comics with rotten premises right like especially dazzler the movie i think dazzler the movie i think secret wars game. 2 is the reverse of that i think it's a decent premise and uh, atrociously executed i guess are we talking about like the actual visual storytelling because i feel like in the hands of yeah. a different artist oh see because i think secret wars is just boring but reads fine like uh it's i mean it's straightforward in the most boring possible way yeah i suppose yeah, it doesn't yeah, do yeah, anything interesting X, ever artistically. x factor i just continually have to like force my eyes to refocus on the page like it is it, it's one of those comics that like it is the hardest Were your glasses that, on yeah it, it just it's so hard for me to actually like to read like I, I get bored i can't like i have to force myself and it's purely for the club i have to force myself to to like focus on those issues and read them and yeah x factor x factor is definitely i would say the most interesting comic that we read down the stretch um because in terms of critical reception your reaction and kind of my own feelings about it which like admittedly were kind of torn like it was definitely like when i added it the first time it was definitely a run where i was like this has louise simonson and it has Walt Simonson, whose Thor I love, mm-hmm. um, in tandem, husband, wife, pair, 
wife, husband pair. And uh, they're doing X-Men comics and stories. They introduce villains that I love, like Apocalypse sure, yeah. and Nanny right. and Orphan Maker. And, um, and it's super <laughs> integrated into this era of X-Men. So there's a lot going for it in terms of what I thought I would like. And I think the bigger thing that I find interesting to wrestle with is a lot of really interesting, smart X-Men fans love this thing, love this run. Like Jay and Miles yeah. explain the X-Men, talk about it very fondly a lot. I have seen other critics that I really appreciate. Um, Sarah Century, who we had on the show, has talked about really digging yep, the, the works of Louis Simonson. comics really likes it. Um, okay, the, sure. The plenty. Six, that's the thing. Is plenty yeah. of good. Like, like there's it. a there's a critical sort of consensus that the Simonsons X Factor is really good stuff. To the point that for that X Men Legends series that I mentioned a moment ago, they're coming back to do an issue. They're going to have the Simonsons doing an X Men Legends issue. People are stoked about it, and they're stoked mm-hmm. about it because they have super fond memories of these comics specifically. Having said that. So there, so there's that like there's that part of my brain that's like I'm supposed to like this, and then sure. there's the part of my brain that is like I don't actually like this, and I'm trying to find <laughs> the meat in the middle, right? That is like how do I not get uh, you know flogged for coming out and saying um, you know these comics aren't actually good? And there are moments that I really like. I like the fall. I like the fall of the mutants, X Factor issues, and the introduction of Apocalypse. I like that a lot actually. Um, I, I never I like anything they do with Artie and Leech. I really like those characters and the kids. But there's a lot of yeah. stuff in this that is messy. I disagree with your very very harsh assessment of like Walt Simonson's like storytelling capabilities. I don't have those issues. That said, it's definitely not as good as his Thor. It's definitely not as visually compelling or as uh, narratively cohesive as his Thor. I won't disagree yeah. with you there. And I think Simonson's dialogue does work a lot better with young heroes and power pack and new mutants than it yeah. does with these original five mutants who at this point in time are super boring. Like these, these characters are general and she was saddled. You know, there is that sort of like, well, what did you inherit part of it? Which is mm-hmm. Simonson's were saddled with a team structure and conceit that was completely nonsensical and that they basically had to spend like 20 issues on doing, you know? Which yeah. is them uh, basically being like anti-mutant mutants. So, yeah, yeah. I, I hear you in not liking this more than I hear you in not liking Frog Thor by far. I'm still mixed in terms of like, uh, I it's I can't even shake the like that sort of oh all the cool people that I hear talking about this like this thing. <laughs> so I don't want to be out there saying. I, do, I also don't like this thing. You know, it's like hearing all your friends say they like a band and uh, and being the lunatic sitting there being like, what? I don't I don't get it at all. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm just um, the, everyone's always called me the brave one. So yeah, everyone has always called you that. Yeah, yeah always. Yeah. It's that. I mean, really, it's a we could we thought about naming this podcast the brave and the bold. And uh, both of those apply to you. Charlotte, and then I was like, Charlotte we need a name come, that includes me. <laughs> Charlotte came up with that idea if we did the DC version of this, uh, the Dave and the Bold, which is like Ooh. so good. It's so good. That is um, good. All right. So I, I think I think I've talked enough X Factor uh, slander. And, and to be clear, I actually I, I um, Louise Simonson has like really come up in my estimation reading some of her other stuff like power pack more power pack and more um especially her new mutant stuff so i really think uh, i think it's walt it's just walt here um, not a walt guy not a walt guy okay those were oh, uh wait i didn't pick my number one i guess yeah yeah your number um, one please well i've made this hard on myself <laughs> because 
because now I'm looking at Dazzler the movie and Secret Wars 2, and I haven't included either somehow on this list. Uh, I have Dazzler the movie ranked lower mm. on my list. So I will say my least favorite comic that we read is the original graphic novel Dazzler the movie. It's written by Jim Shooter uh, with art by Frank Springer. I think your point that it is like visually inoffensive is completely outweighed by the fact <laughs> that it is tonally and thematically deeply offensive and not only that not only does it is it damaging in terms of its message and like actively harmful but it's a horrible story it's totally. a horrible totally. romance it is beyond boring it is beyond nonsensical and uh everything about this book stinks i hate Dazzler <laughs> except for, the movie except for Dazzler's outfits. Is, Her outfits and no, that's like good everything outfit. that is good, good about Dazzler comes later. Like everything that is good about Dazzler good either outfits. comes in the solo series, which has weird, wild moments, or specifically, more likely, with Claremont picking her up for the Uncanny X-Men later in the decade. Um, where I, I'm not a huge Dazzler stan. I don't. That's a, That's yeah. definitely a fandom that I don't connect with. Um, but I will say Dazzler the movie does zero favors, with the exception of like the kind of interesting idea that I really can't even get credit for because it gets dealt with with other creators but like the kind of interesting idea of her being a music star who gets outed mm -hmm. as a mutant and then that narrative going forward is like what kind of clubs can she play um what is what kind of albums can she make what is her status as a musician that stuff's actually interesting <laughs> in a way that like no other mutant deals with yeah you know because really you don't have other mutants that, in media yeah. um but this this graphic novel just like all it does is the outing and really none of the repercussions so uh i would rather read secret wars 2 because despite the fact that it is impossible to read, uh, there are moments that make me laugh or chuckle or just throw my oh, hands yeah. up in, yeah, yeah. in like shock. And that, that uh, it's got it, that yeah. going for it. And I, I, good, good that we are, uh, you know, <laughs> trashing Dazzler because it gets us to bring up Jim Shooter, who uh, is one of the best and worst things to happen to Marvel in this period. I think fostered a really uh, great you know, like great teams of people and like tons of great writers and brought up a lot of really interesting talent and then had a ton of really awful and offensive editorial mandates um, and an inflated sense of himself as a storyteller that he pushed uh, pushed through Marvel. And um, yeah, yeah, some really good and then some really frustrated stuff. Yeah, totally yeah. agree. Um, yeah, I just is, I just found is... out John Byrne was actually planning on like North Star was canonically gay like through john byrne john byrne wanted to bring in north star as the first gay character and jim shooter shot it down so another nail in that coffin um, yeah no it's yeah. We, we definitely don't need to celebrate shooter he did happen to be editor-in-chief during a pretty yeah. good uh well creative, i mean creatively fruitful I, i'm sure he had something to do with you know like a lot of the talent here working well right like there are people who you know i'm sure it didn't happen in a vacuum but you know i think oh you d you don't have eight years of of like some highest highs in the line yeah. without some competence absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. um th there was a skill set there but i think yeah i mean editorial, hey, there was, was there avengers a lot of 200 well. in the 80s uh if it was that's a weird one to not have in our worst of list yeah because um, if that was you not... technically we had that in 1980 so that that would actually be a contender oh, okay. so if yeah. i had ranked no, that separately <laughs> that should be in the conversation that's worse than yeah. the latin effect Let, I'll let's tell just you give that. that the honorable mention award because that's that's both it's just terrible i actually think that's worse than dazzler because that yeah well i don't know if it's worse than dazzler no dazzler's worse dazzler's worse it doesn't dazzler's matter. worse both... to me dazzler's worse personally. no because 
Avengers has that thing where you're just kind of like, well, maybe they're just they were just a bunch of idiots who had no idea what they were writing. Like you can really, you can kind of see that they were just like a fun sci-fi idea, and they like accidentally stumbled into this like horrific situation. Whereas <laughs> so da- it's so funny to describe. Not funny, really, but like the content of that issue as a fun sci-fi. Well, you know idea. what I mean. Like, it, it, <laughs> no, they're I do. Just kind of like it, it feels like it could be one of these. Um, what's the word? Where like a uh, uh, the the like a horse by committee, a camels, a horse, whatever. Like that that thing where like please, a bunch of people are creating something that's just monstrous, right? Okay. Um, yeah. It feels like that where like no one really was you know had their hand on the rudder, whereas Dazzler is just like you know pure misogyny. Oh, it, and it's um, in, right, and it's intentional. Uh, you know, it's it's very controlled by those yes. hands. Okay, right, what uh, exactly. what other topics do we want to get into? I I got phrase? one question that we we want to hit real quick, which is mm-hmm. just Charlotte asking, uh, who would we ship in the '80s? And she wants to ship Peter Parker and Johnny Storm because she thinks mm. Johnny knowing Peter's identity and hiding it from the other Fantastic Four, and then coming out as a couple to the FF would be adorable and super fun and better than most Marvel couples. Pretty. Uh, so specific to the 80s like Johnny and Peter works for most decades um and I think it's a good one there's there's a really good uh their roommates together issue in FF written by Jonathan Hickman that is one of my favorite comics from that era as well that if they were a couple in that could that could totally work as well um I don't know I'm not big on character ships I I definitely that's yeah, not no, it, that's not where my brain goes generally um yeah. I, for example like today I I actually did kind of have that idea with like, and this is one Charlotte brought up for the ultimate universe, but like Magneto and professor X, mm-hmm. um, I think it's actually pretty fun. Like slash, you know, and you know, a ship actually that I'm into is, uh, Sarah century wrote this in her review of one. Oh, I thought you were going to ship Sarah century. And I was like, you can't ship real people. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> just, just it's like, like one gross, rule. uh, flirting alive with, with real people. No, she shipped, uh, um, wonder woman and, uh, and cheetah. In Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, which to me would have been a lot more interesting and, and frankly better movie. Have you seen that yet? No, I've been kind of turned off. And uh, what by what? In my... <laughs> but, <laughs> what about the reaction? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so I, I got some good ships here. Let me let me just go through these real quick. Uh, number one, and not <laughs> some of them are straight ships. Apologies uh, to our listeners. Um, number one, Adrian Toomes the Vulture and Stiltman. Because they can commit sky crimes together. Then, uh... <laughs> That's a fun one. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was good because you know Stiltman sometimes pops off his stilts to escape, and now the vulture can swoop him up. I thought I thought Adrian, when you said Adrian Toomes, the first name that popped in my head was Aunt May because it is like Doc Ox already had that relationship, but Adrian Toomes is actually more her age. Um, yeah. I feel like they yeah. they might have something in common. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's uh, let me see. My next one is uh. Snapper was it Snapper Carl from DC? Snapper, Snapper Car is DC, right? Snapper Car and uh, Rick Jones because two wrongs make a right. Maybe they'll cancel each other out. I mean, Amalgam uh, Universe coming up in uh, the nineties seems like a strong possibility. Yeah. Um. Ooh, what else do I have? Oh, uh, here's my my straight ship. Uh, Wolverine and Elektra. I thought of this one today, and I was like, that's that's just pretty sexy to me. I'm into Wolverine that. And Elektra. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I, I, don't if... I don't totally hate that. Um, I would. Okay, I do have one actually, and it is uh, the ship from X Factor, known as Ship <laughs> with uh, Beast, yep. uh, Beast and Ship. I've always kind of had that from the '90s animated series that they might have a, a little more together. So my ship is Ship and Beast, a trans species ship. Interesting. Okay, and here's my number one like real ship that I like. I'm like, oh man, I'd read a comic about that any day. Uh, it's She Hulk. And Wonder Woman. 
It's not even like in in universe. Yeah. But She Hulk and Wonder Woman. I thought about that, and I was like, like Wonder Woman is the 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 straight woman, quote unquote, to mm. uh to She Hulk's kind of like goofiness. Mm, I could get behind that. So in the '90s, what you need instead of the Amalgam universe is the Amalgam Whoa, universe. I'm sorry, Amalgam. That's that's how you say it when you're in the know. You say Amalgam. <laughs> Amalgam? Was that an accident? You know how to say that word, right? What, the amalgam? Amalgamation? Amalgam. Okay, good. Okay. Sometimes. The amalgamation universe? Amalgay. I, I do think we will, I think someone has suggested this in the Slack, but to actually do a um a 90s uh, separate episode on, because there, there is an actual DC Marvel, there are yep, a few things. The there, there are actual DC Marvel crossovers, here. and then there's this universe, which is these characters that are created. That would actually be a really fun one to do. The problem is we couldn't, you know, none of those comics are in Marvel Unlimited. Um, to my knowledge, I don't yeah. even know if they're like, digitized but uh that would be a fun one to talk about for sure yeah i covered in one of our one of the bonus episodes on the patreon we're free for anyone who wants to listen um with some backers the uh the dc versus marvel 90 thing 90s thing and it's okay it's not as fun as you'd hope it would be but uh there's a yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not into crossover i'm not into those universe crossover books uh really at all i have to say i just even conceptually just like when they talk about like oh we might do that again in 2020 i'm like I'd rather you didn't. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It does nothing for me. Uh, I just, mm-hmm. I'm not excited by that. I know a lot yeah. of people are. They do well, I suppose. I, I just mean, don't care. I don't care to see Superman and Spider-Man together unless it's like a weird, quirky comedy, I guess. Like, unless something was like intentionally comedic, uh, I don't really want, I, I don't know. I just don't need that story. This is out of the realm of this, but like, I wonder if those would work better if they just picked two characters and just burrowed down on that instead of doing like, the universes crossover because that's always what it is it's like some huge threat the two universes need team up whatever but if you like had a really tight idea you know for a team up between two characters and that was six issues whatever of that i think it might work a lot better because otherwise I mean, you it get does that feel with like, like secret Batman wars Punisher in the 90s um right or, well like that. yeah or do an odd couple thing right oh, yeah whatever instead of having that secret wars vibe of just like here's all the toys in one toy box and we're just gonna you know have fun rattling around. And Secret Wars I mean, does work better than it should. My my one of my uh book industry charity auction things that happened earlier this year, kinda at the start of the pandemic to support they did a bunch of auctions for cool comic stuff. One of the things I did bid on and win was a um Dark Side Thanos uh like it was like a webcomic at one point and I got like a little what do they call it, an ash can mini comic of that that somebody had signed at a con mm. uh that was that dark side thanos crossover is worth reading because it is it's just goofy and fun and looks cool i like those characters together um so yeah that that is more my cup of tea than the big serious gotta save the universe kind of thing yep agreed all right so what is your favorite single issue from the 1980s well marvel fanfare 15 i think that's probably too yeah. easy um if we want something yeah. that want to go something that wasn't already discussed uh can't pick a graphic novel i think we got to rule that out you can pick one i don't know um i really like daredevil i think it's 191 is that the roulette issue uh where he's at he's at the the hospital bed with bullseye and he's playing Mm -hmm. russian roulette um i think that issue is excellent i maybe that's no that's 191 it looks like yeah i I love great great cover with him pointing the gun right at you know the reader no, it's not that cover though. Uh, oh, is it not? Okay. I don't know. That's a different one. But it is. Um, it's script and pencils by Frank Miller, inks by Terry Austin, and uh, yeah, it's just Daredevil talking to Bullseye and playing Russian roulette with him like a like a nutter butter, and uh, it's awesome. 
Agreed. Agreed. Um, my number one, because I had to slot it in here somewhere, and I do actually think it's a great comic. It's Alpha Flight number one. I think I over like I uh, Snowblind. Me... Huh? Over Snowblind. Over Snowblind, and I thought about like those two because I love Snowblind as well. But I, I think Alpha Flight number one. I just have to. He didn't technically create Alpha Flight here, right? Alpha Flight was in. Uh, it was a Claremont creation, right? In an earlier X Men issue. But like the way well, he was, Burn was on it. I think it is an el- yeah an elegant issue to like tie together all these brand new heroes, give them all enough personality to like make things intriguing. I think it's really hard to have those first issues had an interesting threat, and it uh, it's the one that you know like hooked me immediately. And I think um, it's just a, I think it's a really good first issue of a brand new series, right? And and t- I think like maybe it would be helpful if I clarify this a little bit. I think I'm such a cheerleader for Alpha Flight because I think it's really underrated. But, like, I would be having the same exact kind of reaction to this if, like, New Mutants didn't have much of a legacy and no one talked about it, really, if it was this weird little obscure side thing. You know, like, I don't necessarily think it is a better comic than, like, New Mutants or X-Men at the time. It is just largely that it's, like, after this run, it largely gets kind of pushed to the side and forgotten they're not main characters and other stuff. You know, they pop up here and there, but, like... I think uh, this run is just kind of forgotten. That's a bummer. Although it does have, like, a Marvel Omnibus. They put out a whole Omnibus, for or two Omnibuses for it, I think. But it's a little wild. Um, all right. What is your favorite villain of the 80s, Dave? Uh, my favorite villain's always Stiltman or Doctor Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, but did Doctor Doom have good stories specific? in the 80s? I mean, Doctor Doom has a, a decent... Doctor Doom actually has a very good 80s. Yeah, it's Doctor Doom, for sure. He goes, right, he we goes got, back in got time Secret with Iron Wars. Man. He gets Secret Wars, yeah. Yeah, a lot of good Doom stuff. you got Secret Wars. Yeah. you got Triumph and Torment, which we haven't run the club. you got, um, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in the, the John Murphy Fantastic Four, honestly. And there was something else yeah. I was going to name that now I'm blanking on. But Doom, the oh, fan, Emperor the Doom, Fantastic the graphic Four. novel that we actually couldn't read because it's not in Marvel Unlimited, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, Doom has a very good year. I, I don't see anyone else really contending, honestly. I like the debut of Mr. Sinister. I mean, I like some villains that get mm-hmm. added. I like the debut of Venom. Um, but definitely no one's as good as Doom. Uh, Doom, Doom would be up there for me, for, sur- for sure. Uh, Bullseye, I think, is my answer. Just because I love that guy. Hmm. I'm always just into I think Bullseye. King, I think, I think Kingpin has the... a better 80s than Bullseye. Huh? I think Kingpin has a better 80s and uh, I, and role in Daredevil than Bullseye. I, I actually, I agree. I just, like, I... It's a very personal choice where I just personally like vibe with sure. Bullseye, and I'm always like, he's just one of those characters that shows up every time he's here. I'm just like, well, I'll read a Bullseye issue. Doesn't matter like yeah. the circumstances I'm here for. But like my honorable mentions definitely would like I have a few here: Kingpin, Craven from Craven's Last Hunt, the Red Skull, Zemo were the best they've been in that JMD Mateus run for me, and then Taskmaster for having two appearances and leaving a big impression on me. He was, I I couldn't put Taskmaster, but I did love every time we saw him. I, I just really dig that character. Yeah. Um, all right. Who's your MVP character of the 80s? Single character. And, I mean, it, again, would be Doom. Um, yeah, fair. <laughs> I think generally that's going to be true. MVP character. Somebody that just, like, every time they showed up, I was super jazzed. Or just um, who you think had the best 80s, you know. Right, right. I mean, Thor has a pretty good 80s. Daredevil obviously has a fantastic... I mean, Daredevil's 80s is, if the character's ever going to win the decade, it's the 80s, you know? Um, yeah. It's kind of tough to pick Dare- or pick against Daredevil here, because it's not Spider-Man. Uh, as much as I like the X-Men, I don't know that any individual X-Men are really strong contenders here. Again, Wolverine has a pretty big decade, uh, but not 
not like perfect by any measure. Um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Daredevil. I don't know how I could really pick against the character that just has the best comics all the time. <laughs> like I, like every Daredevil yeah. story is just like not every, but like this decade is full of just loaded with really great Daredevil stories in a way that yeah. really no other individual character competes with. Yeah, I, I, not really an argument for me. I I thought about Daredevil. But I, I kind of was just thinking like some of those things where I think the comic is better than the character necessarily, right? Like the well, that's the that's him. the tricky part, right? Um, right. And not, like, not just I still that like a... I mean, I still like Peter Parker Spider Man more, yeah, as a as a character creation. But mm-hmm. Peter Parker Spider Man is in not even close to as many good stories. And Peter Parker in the '80s has not been like particularly riveting or as like fun as he was under Stanley or ever yeah. has been under Stanley. So yeah. my my pick is Captain America. Cap has the, the biggest, I would say, lift. Uh, in yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just like I most I like improved that character, maybe. and it and it's the biggest surprise for me. Like he's he's so vanilla, you know. That's like what surprises me that I, I vibe with him so much because he's just kind of it's Captain America. He does good stuff. He's a nice guy, you know. Like he's very honorable, um, and that seems kind of boring to me. But he's not that vanilla. A- I I understand that feeling, but I think. Uh, it's the mistake a lot of people will make with Superman too. Yeah. On the DC yeah, yeah. side Probably. where they're like, oh, he's boring and vanilla. And it's like, mm, you need to read more good stories of these characters. Yeah, exactly. They don't always come right. across that way. So, yeah. So I think I was just surprised this year by how much like, you know, a, a real like human he, he feels like in these comics. And so many of these comics really, really flesh him out. A real uh, American human. Right. Best artist. I I, I bet we're going to have the same one here. Uh, best. Oh, Walt Simonson. God damn. <laughs> Trap me in the corner, really? Uh no, but I just want to see your reaction. Yeah. <laughs> Not actually my favorite. Best artist. Uh, I like the work Art Adams does a lot, but it's mm-hmm. Bill Kevich. And it's, uh, it's probably not yep. super close. Yeah, he crushes it on New Mutants, Daredevil Love and War, uh, his Moon Knight stuff earlier in the decade. Uh, a lot of covers throughout this era that, like, it's not a thing mm-hmm. we highlight super often on My Marvelous Year because, you know, maybe it's not issues we're reading. But, like, Sienkiewicz's, uh feel and design and style is all over Marvel. Dazzle of the movie. Era. Great cover. Yeah, like, right. Probably the best um, part of that. And, and a handful across the Dazzler solo series. Yeah, so Bill Sienkiewicz's work throughout this decade. Uh, the only the only downside is, like, you know, this is his decade. And then he yeah, goes yeah, uh, know. You know, much quieter by comparison. So, but, hey, yep. man, I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Byrne has a huge influence on Marvel in this decade. He's not my favorite. Um, again, I like the Art Adam stuff, but there's not enough of it. Him uh, and Mark Silvestri like... comes in strong at the end, but, you know, it's, yeah. not, it's not a contest compared to Sienkiewicz, so... Him and Byrne are, like, at an interesting opposite end of the spectrum, where I feel like Byrne is just, like, the least flashy, most competent <laughs> artist, right? Like, his visual storytelling and his, like, clarity. Uh, he gets flashy in the Kirby way of, like, hey, look at all this machinery, you know, where sure. it's still, yeah. like, very obviously one thing, but it's a lot of detail to it. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think. And, and it's something, I actually just reread some West Coast Avengers, because that's coming up in the club and that's a, a series burn takes over there and like there are problems with the story and all that but um the art is still like when he just wants to do like a hey look at the intricacies of vision's android design it's like oh yeah. man he's he's got it when he wants it yeah i mean I, I don't think any x-men artist has beaten him in my mind except you know what like barry windsor smith does a little bit here and there but like i don't, I don't know if anyone surpasses him speaking of which best writer of the 80s i'll go first here because i gave it away it's it's easily john Byrne for me here with the 80s between (laughs) between alpha flight fantastic four him working on x-men which you know who knows how much he actually had a hand in writing that but like alpha flight fantastic four 
the sensational She-Hulk, um, and uh, I'm forgetting one other thing. Um, what else did he write? He wrote something else. There's one other thing that's slipping my mind. Do you know what I'm talking about? Probably, but all, most of his uh, works uh, slip yeah, the I mind mean, and then, pretty and then easily. Also, Man of Steel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he goes unrelated. up to these. Uh, I would say Chris unrelated. Claremont. Uh, for sure. I like yeah. a Frank Miller's script more, definitely. Uh, yep. I like Frank Miller's writing style more. But if you take the whole body of work for the entire decade and just the complexity of storytelling and world building that is going on in the Claremont X-Men universe, uh, nothing had quite done this before. And yeah. uh, it would be some time before anybody even attempted it again. Uh, yeah. all the, Basically all themselves. Just to kind of keep the, all that. Not you know literally himself, obviously, and Ascenti, Louis Simonson, editors and collaborators and all that. But, uh, yeah, it's Claremont. Yeah, I mean, you know, c- cannot argue with that. Like, what he what he has done with Exmont is, you know, like, unsurpassed. I, I think maybe, I, I think I... I think you just said Exmont, which I like, uh, the Exmont universe. The Exmont universe. Um, Clare- Claremont's Exmont universe. I mean, the, what he has done is, you know, inc- he basically created another, you know... It splintered Marvel into its own big two, where there's Marvel and then there's everything Claremont created, and that's how it's been. Right. There's the mutants, and there's everything else, right? And that's yeah. totally at his at his his hands, and it's uh it's pretty hard to argue with that. Okay, so our last category here: what's the thing that you most want to go back and actually finish reading? You know, maybe we read like oh, we read these four issues of it, but you know, there's a whole run here, or maybe we skipped over it entirely, and you like. What's what's on your most desired to like make the time for in the future? You know, it started as a pun, but the thing I most want to read is the thing, (laughs) the '80s post Secret Wars series. I'm actually very. I've not read a lot of it, and we didn't read a lot of it for the club. And I'm actually really interested to read uh, some more of that. I think that would be pretty compelling. Otherwise, I'd say except for I don't uh, know that there's much. Like what we did read, kind of was a little dire to me all that project pegasus project pegasus stuff well that was marvel so team like... up that wasn't solo oh thing. was it okay all right yeah so no, i don't know if, i don't even remember what we read for the thing but yeah that's um, that does sound to me um i i will say the thing that i was most the thing i was most happy to read this year that i hadn't read before was classic x-men uh that was that was a series that i went and i read all of the original backups because that reprints issues, but then it does like these eight-page backups, typically by Chris Claremont and John Bolton. Although you get like some Anna mm-hmm. Century written stuff, those were yep. often excellent and uh, at a minimum very interesting. So the classic X-Men backups were like my favorite full series to go through. That you know we only did a little little sample platter in the club, yeah. but that's recommended as well. So I just realized that my pick is actually like mostly in the seventies. I didn't even consider this, but I'm just gonna <laughs> stick with it. Yeah. it. It leaks into the eighties. It's the um, Masters of Kung Fu. Um, uh-huh. That's a series that, like, since we read, like, a handful of issues in the middle have just been on my mind of, like, man, I gotta go back and read that. That sounds so cool. Like, what we read, I really dug. And it, like, it, it it's one of those comics that we read, I think, three issues of forever ago. And it has, like, not left my mind since. Um, so, I'm uh, Masters of Kung Fu. But if I had to pick something more 80s, probably the 80s Avengers, actually. Um, mm. It's a series that, like, I always like when we dip into. And it's never great, but it's always fun, and I'm like, this sounds like it's its own little fun, like complicated universe that uh, we skipped I, over I, some interesting uh, Roger Stern. There's so many stuff. weird, yeah. I I like, I like, like everything. Introduction of Stern. Nebula, and right, kind of, yeah. the, I think it's called like the Legacy of Thanos when it gets collected. Um, those issues are pretty interesting. Uh, we didn't we didn't do this, but uh, what are you most excited about in the '90s? We plan ahead for this. 
I am, well, the obvious. Like, I'm most excited to read a lot of the X-Men stuff I haven't read before. Hmm. Um, uh, I, I don't totally know yet because I haven't really started, like, comp- like seeing what's new in Marvel Unlimited that I'm going to add sure. to these picks. I mean, definitely whatever I find there is going to be the answer because a lot has been added since I did this the first time. Um, I yeah. guess, like, uh, probably... I, yeah, I don't. I, beyond the X Men stuff, I guess I haven't read a lot of '90s Wolverine either. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm like the Larry Hama written stuff. I know is pretty well regarded by fans because Larry Hama has a really great, like, um, what do you call it, reputation as a comics creator. Definitely like on the GI Joe side is where a lot of that comes from. Uh, but Wolverine in the '90s is one of his books, and I really haven't read much of it. So I know like John Galati, who writes a lot for Comic Herald, really dug that series or at least found it interesting and kind of formative. Um, so I'm curious to check that out some more. What do you got? Uh, I mean, I'm I'm excited to dig into Starlin's return. I've already read some of the Infinity Gauntlet, like in the past, and I really dug it. But like him on Silver Surfer, him coming back for his like cosmic Thanos stuff, etc. Like I'm really excited to read that again. I'm excited for Rob Liefeld, honestly, to like really dig into the best. <laughs> you're gonna, I, mean, I like, just guarantee you're gonna love him. You love the worst people. <laughs> no, so no, I'm not even excited because be I think this. I'm gonna love it. You know, like that. That's. Because, I, I mean, I know what his art looks like. And and I think, like, what we've read... We read a little bit for uh, 89, I think, already. Was he in... Inf- yeah, it was at the end of Inferno. He does uh, not- X-Factor number 40 with Louis Hudson. Yeah, it, w- yeah. it wasn't bad, but, like, I, I don't I don't know I'm going to love it. But I'm just... I'm interested in talking about it. Same, like, the same feeling I have about, like, the Clone Saga. I'm, like, excited to get to that. Not because I think I'm going to love it, but because I'm interested to talk about it. Um, besides that, I don't know. The 90s is, like, a weird decade without, like, a ton of comics that are like highly revered marvels the Kurt you know Busiak i will say from like, see but that's the 90s gets a rap where it's like oh the 90s right and it's just a big eye roll from 1990 to 1994 mm-hmm. like it's <laughs> it's marvel firing the way they'd been firing mm-hmm. more or less yeah. um maybe 90, 93 is a, is a safer thing but like you'll hit very interesting stories from that stretch, not least of which is the Jim Starlin Infinity Trilogy, you know? Um, but there's yeah. there's plenty within that that's, like, oh, I'm sure. yeah. still kind of Marvel Comics. And then once you get closer to the middle, when you get into Clone Saga, Age of Apocalypse territory, there become these huge, sprawling things that sort of take over. And then you're also now in, oh, Marvel's about to go bankrupt territory. So things just mm-hmm. get weird financially, fiscally, and just, like what they're capable of producing. Um, but I, I'm actually kind of a 90s... I'm not like a big 90s boy, but I am a mini 90s defender in terms of like... There's actually mostly like a three-ish, maybe two-ish year stretch of like 96 and 97. That's just like outright, like I don't even know what to put on these lists. Like the, like the existing 1997 list is pitiful. Like it's really pathetic. Um, and I'll, I'll take a look obviously at what might have been added. But the, the comics I was able to fit in there is just like a bunch of number one issues of being like, I guess this series started this year. And there's not any like consensus like, oh, you have to read this stuff with the exception of like the Joe Kelly Deadpool, Joe Kelly Ed McInnes Deadpool. Um, but uh, when you take those two years, two years out of it, like tell me any year I can tell you comics I like, you know, like 95 Age of Apocalypse. Love that. Like really into that whole era and that whole scene. Um, 94 is a little trickier, I guess. Um, you know, you get like Deadpool with a miniseries. You get Marvels by Busiak and Ross, which is fantastic. You get actually the good parts of the Clone Saga, I will say. Um, believe it or not, there are good yeah. parts of the Clone Saga. So long sure. story short, like... It's, I don't know, anybody who's like, oh, I don't want to read through this decade, there's nothing good. I, I actually would say for a majority, you're probably not right about that. There's actually some really good stories here. Yeah, I, do, I don't um, 
Like, I don't, I don't feel like we're going to, you know, it's going to be a total slog, but like it, it the, I think there is a different, like when we ended the seventies, we were just like, all right, what are we excited about? Claremont's X-Men, Simonson's Thor, like JMD Mateus on Craven's, like there, there's lists, right? You just feel like there are, you know, these like in the cultural consciousness, there are just like a lot more all time great things that people talk about whether or not you know you end up liking them personally or not oh that's just, true that's true yeah, i mean I, I don't know if 80s, that like the 80s comes to define yeah more iconic type of runs than certainly the 90s i mean but yeah. when i answered my when i answered the question i was answering for myself if i'm answering yeah. in in hype machine why should you stick around and read through the 90s it's because of the jim starlin cosmic infinity trilogy which is massive and influential and fantastic it's great silver surfer there's great thanos there's great cosmic stuff it's one of the best cosmic sagas in marvel history that's well worth reading um you have frank miller and john romita jr on the man without fear a daredevil mini that a lot of people really dig there's really good underrated iron man at the start of this decade written by len kaminsky those issues get way way overlooked uh you got maximum carnage right we're gonna have all sorts of venom and carnage stuff as this becomes a decade of that and then uh and the x-men become really interesting because you have this relaunched early 90s Jim Lee uh, and, you know, kind of the image guys takeover of of what X-Men yeah. is, you know. So is, is it Claremont stuff? No, literally it's not. It's a transition from that. And just by virtue of being something new, I think it becomes pretty interesting. So there's yeah. plenty. T- and, it, and then you get to Age of Apocalypse, which is for me like which you love. Yeah, which a massive I, high I'm point. I love the yeah. whole idea and the concept and in the era. And then when we get to the end of the decade in 98, 99, now we're getting into Marvel Knights. Now we're getting into the good modern Which, stuff. Yeah, so, right. 90, 99, I know there's a lot of really cool, interesting stuff. Speaking of McFarlane, just a, a little aside, I started reading Spawn last night, which is not that far off from what we're reading him, reading of him in like the, uh, you know. I've never days. read an issue of Spawn. I, I would be I, curious. Yeah. I, I, so this year, here, let, let me, I'll bring, lay this out. 2021, I have like three comics resolutions, which there are three series long-running series and i'm gonna read one issue of a night before bed spawn unless they turn out to be terrible and i hate spawn um which I'll, i might drop spawn that's the iffy one but hellblazer hellboy and spawn both all series that i have not dug into properly sure um but after reading the first issue of spawn last night todd mcfarlane is a very good artist a very good visual storyteller as we've seen a writer uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, a pretty safe yeah. consensus. But yeah, I've yeah. never read. I, I know with Spawn, part of the appeal becomes uh, he's also a very good um, networker, and yeah. he connects he with lets really talented over, comics yeah. people who yeah. who get to work on these. Like I think there's an Alan Moore issue somewhere in there. So uh, Alan. Oh wait, speaking of which, like I w- Spawn keeps referencing Young Bloods, and I was like, what's Young Bloods? And it's this like it's Rob Liefeld, look, yeah, very very boring looking. It's like Rob Liefeld doing like. What if superheroes were celebrities? And I'm like, I can't imagine a comic I'd want to read less. Although, like, 15 issues in, Rob Liefeld hired Alan Moore to take over and write a bunch of it. Did you know that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like Jim Lee got, uh, they got him to do uh, Wildcats, you know, which was a Jim Lee creation. Uh, Rob Liefeld got him to do Supreme. Which wound up being yeah. one of my favorite Alan oh, Moore Supreme's works. Oh, Supreme's great. I didn't know so, that. So, I okay. mean, the, the image yeah, guys, I, I, I guess Liefeld specifically have, like, an Alan Moore connection here, which, which becomes I just, very interesting. Th- the thought of Alan Moore sitting down to read issues of Young Bloods, just like looking at the comic, and that he would engage with that, is like surprising to me, right? Like it just seems yeah. Like I think what's cool about it is it it could feel like a kind of a sad situation, you know? It could feel like yeah, a pitiful, right. Like you know, these new guys are getting the old, like the old guy can't find work anymore. But it's not that at all. It's no, like I would still I would. Alan Moore, and he just does his thing with their properties and makes them uh, frequently very interesting in ways they wouldn't yeah. have been. 
yeah, wild. Anyway, all right. Well, that is uh, my marvelous off the off the rails. That's that was nothing. I, I thought that was going to be a joke, but that was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> my marvelous off the rails. Um, you abandoned that joke so hard. Yeah, that was that was the end of the eighties. Good decade for comics. I had tons of fun. Um, Better great- decade for births, though. I've always said. Yeah, like definitely like two of the best births of the millennia in the eighties for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I have to say about. It. So uh, yeah, thanks, all Dave. we have to say thank, about that. Thank you, Dave, for going through the eighties with me. Zach, thank you for taking us through the 80s as well. Again, we'll be back here with our My Marvelous Year coverage of the 1990s. If you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or checking us out over on Patreon.com slash My Marvelous Year. I'm Dave. You can find my stuff at ComicBookHerald.com. He's Zach. You can find him on social at My Marvelous Year. He runs that account. Don't think it's me. It is not. It is Zach. <laughs> and uh, and we'll be back here with uh, with good coverage of and thanks to everybody who's joined us throughout this decade and and you know this whole time and enjoys reading along. Again, if you enjoy reading the comics, you can find them all listed in the show notes. Music for the show is by Disasterpiece. D I S A S T E R P E A C E. Check out Disasterpiece when you have an opportunity. Some great tunes there. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you next year. See you next year. Uh